Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Well, if you have ever watched any of the Star Trek shows, especially uh, starting with The Next Generation, then you know about the Borg Collective. And the Borg would always say resistance is what? Futile. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. In fact, uh, when I moved here, Jim Brees told me, I, you will be assimilated. And I was into his family and praise God for that. So resistance they would say, the Borg, if they really existed, would say it's futile. Now the Bible says that we face an enemy that is much more brutal and much more powerful than the Borg if the Borg really existed. Uh, yet the Bible teaches the good news that resistance is not futile, resistance is fruitful. Heavenly Father, as we look in your word and we think about your truths, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. Uh, give me the strength that I need to be able to communicate the message that you have for us today. Give us the ears to hear. Give us the eyes to see. Give us a heart to follow as we love and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and this part is called uh, the armor of God, the armor of God. Now, uh, the Borg would say resistance is futile, uh, but James 4, 7 says submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We can resist him the same way Jesus resisted him when Satan came and tempted Jesus. And uh, this picture is merely symbolic of somebody wearing armor. The helmet's not quite a Roman helmet. The sword's a little too long for uh, how, what the Romans would carry in the hand-to-hand -hand battle, and, and there is no shield. Uh, but Paul uses the armor of a Roman soldier as a metaphor, as a picture, a symbol of how God protects those who trust and follow Jesus. The armor is symbolic of the decisions and the intentions of the heart. And so it's the heart that really matters, and it's following Christ. We do live in a spiritual combat zone. We don't always see it every day. In fact, it's far more dangerous than living in a dangerous war zone. There's more at stake. And the real danger is that we often are not even aware. You know, that happens to people. We... we uh, you know, some people suddenly have a heart attack. Well, their heart didn't suddenly attack them. Uh, it was a gradual buildup that they couldn't see. Uh, people go in to see a doctor, and uh, I knew a guy, and when I pastored in Green Valley, he went to see the doctor, and, and uh, he wasn't feeling good. He hadn't been to see a doctor in years. The doctor gave him six months to live. He lived less than six weeks. Uh, he had no idea. He had no clue. Um, and so we are in a spiritual battle, a spiritual struggle, and sometimes we're clueless. We're not catching on that it's happening. 
Uh, we don't physically see the enemy, so we sometimes forget there is an evil and powerful enemy seeking to destroy us. When the New Testament writers talk about Satan or the devil, most of the time when Jesus talks about him, he talks about a singular person, Satan, a real entity, a fallen angel. Uh, but sometimes in the New Testament, they talk about the devil or Satan, and it refers to what Satan or his demons are gonna do. They're gonna try and destroy you. They are the fallen angels that rebelled against God with Satan, and they now serve Satan. If you've ever read any of Frank Peretti's books where fictional books about spiritual warfare, he makes the demons sound deformed and hideous with breath that smells like sulfur. And yet um, 2 Corinthians 11 says that Satan gives the appearance of an angel of light. And those who partner with Satan, those fallen angels, they also appear to be angels of light and messengers of light. So the devil does not look scary or evil. That's why Eve got deceived by Satan in the form of a serpent in the garden uh, because he did not look threatening, but he told her lies and he deceived her. He is evil and scary and were it not for the grace and strength of God uh, that we receive through Jesus Christ, we would be defeated every day. So uh, Paul gives some instruction for handling uh, Satan, and we're gonna read through this whole passage, and then we're gonna come back and walk through it verse by verse. Uh, chapter six, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or deceitfulness, the actions of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's jump back to verse 10. He says, be strong. That's an imperative command. He's not suggesting, hey, maybe you want to step it up a little bit and be a little strong. No, it's be strong. It's an imperative command, but it's also passive. Now, when I was in Bible college, they used to call them transitive and intransitive verbs, right? Now they call them active and passive verbs. But when we were in Bible college, one of my friends said he didn't know the difference. He couldn't tell the difference between uh, passive and active verbs. And I said, oh, I can teach you in three seconds. I, you can learn it and you will never ever forget it. He said, really? I said, you want me to? He said, yeah. And so I punched him in the arm so hard, he fell out of his chair onto the library floor. And he got up and he's like, ah, what, what, what was that for? I said, the active verb is I hit you. There was a transfer of action. The passive verb is, you were hit. 
So, do you need another lesson? He said, I got it down, man. So if any of you need help with active and passive verbs, let me know. Oh, Aiden needs some help, okay. John, will you take care of that? So, um, but see, this is a passive verb. So when there's a command to be strong, God's not expecting you to work it up on your own. He's not expecting you to, you know, try and build it up. I gotta be strong, gotta be strong. You, you know, that's, that's not how we do it. We do it by allowing his strength to come into us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong is a command. Something that God wants to do in you and you just let God, you facilitate God doing that in your life. Be strong in the Lord. Now remember that you have no power except what you receive from him. Romans 5, 6 describes humanity without Christ. It uses a two word phrase and it says without strength. You were without strength. The absolute opposite of strong, without strength. And then also before you trusted Christ, uh, we read about it in Ephesians 2 when we were going through that chapter, you were dead in trespasses and sins until Christ made you alive in him. So you are totally weak and incapable except for the power of God, the power of Christ in you. So in the power, now there's two ways we use power. This word power refers to his authority and his dominion and his rule. It's not just that the, the strength that he gives, but his authority. So when we represent Christ in Matthew 28, Jesus said, go into all the world and, and make disciples and do all this in his power in his authority. He said, all authority has been given unto me and now I'm assigning it to you. So we serve in the authority of Jesus Christ. So be strong in the Lord and in the authority, the power of his might, his strength, his ability to make things happen and get things done. Isaiah 40 says that God created and now holds the very stars by his power. That's the power that is available to us through Christ. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then verse 11, he wants you to get dressed. He said, put on. Again, this is an imperative command, but this is not passive. This is something you must do. So be strong. You're letting God strengthen you through Christ. Put on, now you're putting this on. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the whole armor, it, how many of you are kind of all or nothing people? You know, uh, uh, some of us are. It's hard for us to, you know, halfway, like I had a nice beard that I really liked and Kathy wanted me to trim it up more and I said, look, I want a beard or no beard. I don't want half a beard, 
you know, all or nothing, right? I didn't want one day to get down to here, okay? You know, it was, it was short. Um, but, but when I eat a taco, I, I don't want half a taco. It's all or it's nothing. Don't give me, hey, would you like a bite of my taco? Ain't gonna happen. If I take a bite, you're never getting it back. <laughs> and so when you put on the armor of God, it's all or nothing. This is, you're putting on the armor, put on the whole armor. See, if you leave something off, you've left yourself wide open and vulnerable. How would you like it if a plumber came to your house, he's going to fix the leak in your bathtub, and he's all done, he says, you know, I got about 98% of it fixed. It's 98% sealed, should be good enough. You would not say that's good enough. You want it 100% sealed or you're gonna get water damage. Well, you wanna be 100% prepared for what Satan's bringing into your life. The whole armor. You do the whole thing or you're leaving yourself exposed to what Satan wants to do in your life. That you may be able, now that word may, we use may sometimes differently. Like, you know, sometimes we say, well, you, you may do this. It doesn't mean you're required to, right? I could say, Theodore, you, you can do this, okay? That means that Theodore now has the capacity to do that. He already knows that. He knows what he can do. And I say, yeah, you may do that, but then he doesn't want to. That's not how this word may is used. This word may is not used as you can take it or leave it. He says that you may means you now have the capacity. All right, let's rephrase it to that you will be able to. You have the capacity to. It doesn't mean you will unless you put on the whole armor. But once you have the whole armor on, then you now have the capacity to withstand the assault of Satan. You will become sufficient to meet the need or complete the task that you may. Now, that you may be able to stand, to face off, to withstand with courage, to stand against. In our culture, we have all kinds of people who will support you from the background. But when you take a stand for Christ, there's some people who will not stand with you. We had an issue years ago uh, with somebody in the church who was causing some issues. And after it was done and, and this person left the church and, and the church was healing from that upheaval, this person who was here said, well, you know, I was with you 100%. I said, where? <laughs> you know, John Mollett stood with me. I could see John standing there. Jeff Miller stood with me. I could see Jeff standing there. I didn't see this guy standing anywhere. Maybe in his heart he was with me. But, you know, he pulled that old Dennis, menace, Dennis the Menace trick where I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. He, he wasn't standing with me. And so that you may be able to stand, to stand your ground, to not give way, to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. You can withstand his attacks and be faithful to the Lord if 
you put on the whole armor of God. So, now chapter, or verse 12, he gives us a little reminder that our battle is not with other people. Look at verse 12. He said, for we do not wrestle. This word wrestle actually refers to hand-to-hand combat. Uh, they would uh, get in, they would have competitions where the soldier would stand and they'd tr- try and throw each other down. I know it's hard for you who've never been in the military to picture that something people would do for fun and recreation. But if you've ever been in the military, then you know exactly what it's like to challenge yourself against somebody else and try and put the other one down. Um, And so that's what they would do. But then in combat, you would really stand against. So we're not, our battle is not against other people. We do not wrestle, we do not have hand-to-hand combat against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Too many Christians are busy fighting the wrong fight. They're battling against other people and sadly sometimes fighting against themselves. The real enemy is the work of Satan and his demons. And when Paul wrote these words, Rome had one of its most wicked rulers in their entire history, and he tortured Christians just for fun and recreation. And yet Paul understood that his real enemy was not that person in Rome. His real enemy were the demons behind that person in Rome, the satanic and demonic influence in that person. That was the real battle. So um, Satan wants us to fight each other. Satan wants us to fight other people because it takes our eyes off the real battle, which is him. We need to stand against what he's doing. Verse 13 Uh, He then says, uh, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. You need to stand firm. It's an imperative command, but it's not passive. It's something you must do. Now, Paul's description of the armor would have been Uh, understood by the people he lived with. In fact, most likely, Paul was chained to a Roman soldier while he was writing this. And so he was looking at the the robe, the, the dress of the Roman soldier, and he's putting it here. So everybody who was familiar with Roman soldiers would have understood this, but it would also have been Uh, understood by uh, the Jews who read through the prophet Isaiah uh, because Isaiah in chapter 59 verse 17 speaks of the breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation. In Isaiah 52 7, feet shod with peace. Isaiah 11 5, your waist or your loins girded or belted with the truth. So Paul uses the imagery of the Roman soldier and the history of God's revelation to put together this imagery to show us what we need to do to prepare ourselves for this spiritual battle. 
So what's the first thing you need to put on in verse 14? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now, uh, I'm using this image, this picture, just to give you an idea. But the belt was really significant. How many of you have seen a cop in his full gear, full uniform going out and serve? He's got this, this belt. <laughs> yeah. Roger saw it every time he looked in the mirror before he went out on calls. You've got this belt, and it's got stuff attached to it. In fact, a lot of cops end up having lower back troubles because they sit in a car with all this stuff on their belt. And they've got uh, their sidearm, their, their weapon, they've got a taser, they've got uh, often an extendable uh, club, uh, they've got stuff that's available to them, I instant grab, they know exactly where everything is, and so they're belting on. It's not like I put on my belt here today. You know, it's not like this kind of belt. It's a, a cartridge belt, it's a carry belt, it's a utility belt that's gonna hold this stuff. And part of what it held on was uh, the breastplate of righteousness also mentioned in verse 15, but or 14, sorry. The belt of truth, what does the Bible say about the truth? The truth will set you free. Set you free. And we are to speak what in love? The truth. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. So put it on, the belt of truth. Be one of those people whose word means something. You know, right now, the confidence the average American person has in a politician serving in Washington, D.C. is lower than it's ever been. It's terribly low. Why? Because so many of those people lie. Is it unique just to politicians in Washington, D.C.? Sadly, no. It's not unique, but it is endemic. It's all over the place. And you need to be a person whose word means something. If you do a handshake deal, you honor that handshake deal as if it were a lawyer-drawn contract. You give your word, you follow through. I hate watching cop shows on TV where the cop promises the people they'll get the bad guy. We know there are thousands of unsolved crimes in our country every year. So they can't promise, they can promise to do their best. Don't give a promise unless you can follow through on that promise. And so, belt of truth, and then the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness actually has two different parts to it. First is the righteousness the righteousness we receive from Christ. It's a gift that we get from him. God credits the righteousness of Jesus with us. So we are now credited with his righteousness when we trust Christ as our savior. Now, none of us are righteous enough to earn that. We receive it as a gift. But righteousness is also when we choose to make right choices and follow right paths. See, how many of you know a believer who received the righteousness of Christ who made some really unhealthy choices in their life? Any of you know believers like that? You, know, you don't need to keep your hand up, but any of you were believers like that? You don't raise your hand, okay? Uh, but, and, and any of you know somebody like that? Don't point to people in this room, okay? <laughs> but, but we do understand the concept 
that those who should be walking in righteousness don't. And what we need to do is we need to say, you know, the, I, while I served as a chaplain for Arizona Highway Patrol, DPS, um, I was involved in criminal investigations and I wasn't involved, but I supported the officers in it. And uh, one of the things we had to wear when we went out on any call was a bulletproof vest. And uh, I had to turn it in when I stopped serving as a chaplain. Uh, but the bulletproof vest I had, I brought it up here one day, and then I had two different ones, two different outsides of the bulletproof vest. And so, because they get really sweaty, they're hot, and you get really sweaty, you can't wear it twice without cleaning it. So I take off the outside and one to wear and one to wash, right? Uh, so I'm, I brought it up here and I had two boys in the church put them on and they looked identical on the outside. But on the inside, one of them was filled with the stuff to protect you from a handgun shot. And the other one was filled with cardboard. <laughs> See, if you have faith in Jesus, that's the bulletproof vest that you need. If you have faith in anything else, that's just cardboard. It looks good. It's not going to save you at all. So the breastplate of righteousness, you need his righteousness in your life. And that, that bulletproof vest, why doesn't it cover the face? Because you need to be able to see why doesn't it cover the thighs? Well, you know, you could take a shot to the femoral artery and you'd bleed out, but, but your core of your most vital organs are protected by the bulletproof vest. Ironically, what happens with some officers, they get a little heavy and their bulletproof vest starts to ride up a little bit and they can take a shot where they used to be protected, they're not anymore. So you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You need to make intentional choices that protect you and yours from the attacks of Satan. Then he says in verse 15, to wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, Paul was describing standing against the attacks of the enemy. So I don't think he's challenging us to witness for Christ in this verse. He does many times in other passages. But I think he's reminding us that through the gospel, we have peace with God, peace from God, and peace with God, and the peace of God in our lives. Now, those sandals, those shoes, they, they would have spikes on the bottom, and so they could withstand. And so if another person with another shield and sword came up and was banging them, trying to move them back, they couldn't move them back because they had traction in the same way that sprinters wear spikes in their shoes to give them traction to fly down forward. And the soldiers had that traction to be able to push forward and not be pushed backward. And so you need the shoes, you need salvation you need the peace of God by trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. And you need peace with God by following Jesus Christ in your life. And then take the helmet of salvation, verse 17. Now when it says in verse 16 to take up the shield of faith, it, in verse 17 then take the helmet of salvation, it's actually two different words. Did I skip over the shield of faith? Okay. Um, Galatians 5.20, uh, Galatians 
says that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just faith in faith, it's faith in Christ that saves us. Faith in Christ. Some people have faith in faith. I met a lady once and she was, I just got to have faith, got to have faith, got to have faith. She was trying to work up faith. No, it's faith in Jesus. It's not what I work up, it's what he did on the cross. I have faith in the finished work of Jesus. So faith, uh, Romans 10, 17, where do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing by the word, of God. the word of God. That's how we build our faith. We saturate our minds and hearts with the word of God. We learn it, we memorize it, we think about it, we read it, we listen to it. You need to trust and follow Jesus Christ. If you want to grow your faith, spend more time in God's word listening to it. I have several versions of audio Bibles that I listen to when I walk in the morning. Well, actually, I only listen to one version at a time, okay? But, but I listen to them, and I listen through the whole Bible uh, several, t well, I don't know how many times in the last few years, but I just finished the Old Testament, and now I'm halfway through the Gospels, uh, and I listen to it while I walk in the morning, and I listen to other nonfiction books and fiction books, and, uh, but I always take time to listen to God's Word. I read it. It's helpful and beneficial. You cannot have a life of faith if you neglect God's Word. You spend time reading, studying, learning, growing. And so you need to trust and follow Jesus. So pick up that shield of faith, and then take on the helmet of salvation. So where I jumped ahead. The shield of faith, when you take up your shield of faith, that's something you have to grab onto. That's something you have to hold up. But the helmet of salvation is actually two different Greek words that are both transferred, I'm sorry, both um, translated as take in our English Bibles. We take the shield of faith by grasping it and holding on to it, but we take the helmet of salvation by accepting it, by receiving it. So, let me give you an illustration of that. If, if we were at somebody's birthday party, say somebody up here who's, you know, Kimmy's gonna invite me to her birthday party, and she's cutting up the cake, but she knows for me, she has to have sugar-free, caffeine-free cake, so can't have any chocolate in it, can't have any sugar in it, so here's your cake, Pastor. Have a piece of cake, and I take it from her. I'm just gonna receive it. But what if she gets a gift that I think's really cool, and I want it, and I take it? See, that's totally different. And I wouldn't do that because Kimmy can be mean. But, <laughs> but see, that, that take is to grab onto. That's what you have to do for the shield of faith. You're responsible for hanging on to it. In this image, he's holding it with his left hand so he can strike with a sword with his right. Take that shield. But the helmet, I just need to receive it. I just need to take it but receive it. Salvation is a gift that protects us from Satan's ultimate desire, which is to destroy us and to lead us away from God. Satan intentionally seeks to deceive us, even to cause us to doubt our own salvation. Those who are saved, he wants you to question your salvation. We need to trust Jesus Christ for salvation 
in salvation and with our salvation. Then verse 17 also says, uh, the sword of the spirit, and then he defines it, which is the word of God. It's the only weapon that we have to attack the enemies. All the other weapons are to deflect blows from the enemy. But the sword is the one where we can actually attack the enemy. People try to use clever arguments to talk people into salvation. There's a whole field, a whole study of apologetics. You could buy the apologetics Bible. And, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. Apologetics are important, but you have to use scripture. So the apologetics Bible does use scripture. But apologetics is defending our faith before those who don't believe. So we need to be able to do that, but, but we don't need clever arguments. We don't need a, a bait and switch kind of mentality. Uh, the, the work that God wants to do has to be accomplished through spiritual means. And the tool the Holy Spirit uses is not the cleverness of your head, but it's the word of God in your heart. That's what he uses. So in Luke 16, Jesus told the story of Abraham talking to a man in hell. And, and uh, I've mentioned this a couple times in our study through Ephesians. And, and uh, it, Jesus said, or Abraham said, that what was written in scripture was more value than any spiritual event that people could experience. And if they reject what's written in scripture, then they're going to reject no matter what. So what we need to do is share scripture. Okay, what if the people reject the scripture? Well, then share it anyway. Not in an obnoxious way. Not as trying to badger them with you. You know, the Bible never says, take your Bible and beat them over the head with it. No, that's not how we witness for Christ. But you can bring it up in your life. I, I was reading something in the Bible the other day, you know, and they could say, I don't want to hear it. Oh, okay, I won't, you know, and then wait a while and then bring up something else again. Uh, unless they absolutely forbid you to ever share anything from the Bible, bring it up every now and then because it's God's word that can change hearts and lives. I was an atheist. I was antagonistic toward Christianity. I hated going to church. I only went because I was still a teenager and my mom and dad made me go. And I went to camp and I heard a guy preach and he shared God's word and the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. Not because he had clever arguments, but because he shared God's word, and the Holy Spirit used that word to radically change my life, and my direction, and my destiny. Uh, the, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We share God's word. That's the only weapon we have to attack Satan. It's not church rituals. It's not clever ideas, it's God's word. And God's word can take a hell-bound sinner and make him a heaven-bound saint because the Holy Spirit can bring conviction through his word. So how do we put on the armor of God? 
Do we wake up in the morning and we conscious, you know, get dressed? I don't see anybody here wearing a helmet. I don't see anybody here wearing a breastplate. I hope I don't see anybody with a sword. Okay, how do we do it? Well, we focus on Jesus. So here's the areas, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. I, I want you just to think about, so first of all, you're girding your waist with truth. Verse 14 says, the belt of truth. John 14, six says, Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. He is the truth. And verse 14 also talks about that breastplate of righteousness. Well, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Jesus is our righteousness. We receive the gift of righteousness through him. Ephesians 6.15 says, wear the shoes of the gospel of peace. Well, back in chapter two, it says, he is our peace. Jesus himself is our peace. Um, uh, the shield of faith, Hebrews 12, 2, says uh, that he gives faith to us. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I previously mentioned Galatians 2, 20, that our faith needs to be in Jesus Christ, focusing on him. That's the faith that we need to have. The helmet of salvation in Luke 2.30, Simeon uh, called Jesus the salvation of God. He, was, he is our salvation. And Simeon rejoiced to see Jesus. And he trusted and believed in God's revelation. And then uh, verse 17 also says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the word of God, the living word. So we study and learn the written word while we trust and believe in the living word, Jesus Christ. We're not saved by faith in our Bible. We're saved by faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible points us to him, but we trust and follow him. That's why Paul said in Romans 13 that when we put on the armor of light, we are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why resistance is fruitful because we can resist in the power of God. We trust and follow Jesus. So, in the morning when you're getting around, getting ready to go out on your day, you don't have to dress like a Roman soldier, but you have to think about the armor of God and preparing yourself for the onslaught because Satan will attack, his demons will attack. That's who they are, that's what they do. That's why he is called the destroyer and the deceiver and we need to protect ourselves against him. We need to stand our ground. Like a person going into hand-to-hand -hand combat, you don't see somebody going into hand-to-hand -hand combat dancing around and uh, you know, floating like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. No, they're bracing themselves. Uh, they're ready to attack. They're ready to, to block the other attacks. 
And as they use their shield to block the sword attack of the other soldier, then they use their sword to attack. And it's the word of God that we use to impact hearts and lives for Christ. So focus on Jesus. How's your relationship with him? Do you feel closer to him right now than you have before in your life? If not, you're moving in the wrong direction. You need to change course, move closer to him. By God's grace and in the strength of Jesus Christ, you can develop a pattern of victory over the temptations of Satan and his demons and anything they throw in your way. You can take on the whole armor of God. You can trust and follow Jesus Christ and you can repel any attack and you can even make a forward attack through Christ. Now, I don't know what's going on in your heart and life. I don't even know whether you've trusted Christ as your Savior. Some of you have grown up in this church. Some of you I've baptized here in this church. I know you've made a statement of faith, having trusted Christ. But I don't know whether you have or not. God knows the heart. Pastors don't. So if you aren't certain that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, do it today. If you're here and and you um, feel like maybe you should make a decision for Christ in some way to turn away from something, turn towards something, make a greater commitment to following his word, listen, right now is your opportunity. It's your opportunity to respond to what God is doing. Even those who are watching online at home, we have some folks out sick, some traveling, they're watching online. And even, even you, right where you are, in your hotel room or your own home, you can trust and follow Jesus Christ. And we would love to show you how. If you're here this morning, you can come to the front. We'll have somebody show you how to be saved. If you are watching this some other time online, you can call the church office. We'll put somebody in touch with you. Even if you live in a different city, we'll find somebody to come by and tell you how to trust Jesus Christ. By God's grace, in the strength of Jesus Christ, you can develop a pattern for victory. You're never going to be perfect, but you can live victoriously through Christ if you trust and follow Him. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.